Happy New Year. This is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. And I am finally here podcasting today after battling the flu um, since January 1st. So that's why you haven't heard from me sooner. How are you? Um, I am here today to do a questions podcast. I just, I wanted to come on. I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to answer some questions, um, and say hello. Um, I started recording a podcast a couple of days ago about building a wardrobe on a budget and some home decor. And at about 20 minutes, I ran out of breath because of the flu. But what I also realized at the 20 minute mark is that it was its own podcast. So I will either um, finish that and put it up or I will just do a do a brand new one and give you some of my favorite wardrobe and home decor tips because a lot of you write me. So if you to make that a really awesome podcast, if you want to write me questions about fashion or style um, budgets and home decor, email me at my taught you at gmail.com. So my taught you.com is my website and you should sign up for my Friday newsletter. If you want to know what I'm feeling, that's what I call it. The, what I'm feeling Friday newsletter. And it's usually recipes that I've cooked for the week, places that I've traveled, books that I'm reading, podcasts that I'm listening to articles that really just have me shook. Um, that's what I share every single Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, and for those of you that don't know what I do for a living, I um, own a company, curlbox.com. It is an exclusive, affordable, and effortless way for you to try curly hair products delivered to your doorstep each month. Um, we open our membership once per month, and you can sign up for that email as well at curlbox.com to figure out how to get your hair products on the low. So, it is after work on a Monday. Um, I had to spend some time catching up this week and I've got some water um, because while the flu is over, um, I am still, I'm just, you know, I would say I am 90% cleared up. So I have some water and of course I have some wine. Um, today I have, what do I have? This is chocolate block wine from South Africa, which is phenomenal. I love it. Uh, one of my bankers got it for me as a gift and I have been getting it um, when I can. So two sets of questions uh, we're going to do on this podcast and you can email me if you have questions. Um, we are going to cover some career stuff and we're going to answer some love questions and for those entrepreneurs who are fans of the podcast fresh books did sponsor work podcast through the summer so um this month i will kick off my latest entrepreneur series so hang tight for that all right first question is i am struggling with a career decision and i need help in 2011, I graduated with a degree in journalism and worked as a freelance writer for about a year. Though fun and challenging, freelance writing did not provide enough income to pay the bills, so I took a job as a high school English teacher. This is my third year as a high school English teacher. The first two years I taught strictly English, which I loved. This year I have been afforded the opportunity to teach journalism, my former major and intended career. Teaching this class has brought back many memories of covering events, conducting interviews, and writing until the sun came up. 
because of this, I now have a desire to return to a career in journalism, starting by getting my master's in the field. There is the perfect master's program in Chicago. However, I have gotten comfortable with a steady paycheck and benefits. My life, though boring, is comfortable and safe, but I can't help wondering if I'm missing out on my true calling. Should I stay here and be comfortable or take a chance on my first love, journalism? All right. Let's start with a career assessment. And I think that it is very imperative that everybody do this. Like you must do an assessment. Do you need stability or do you need excitement every single day? Um, My significant other works in the arts and he has told me that it's a career that you do for the love, definitely not for the money. You have to pick one thing that is most important to you professionally and then you do things on the side to fulfill the other professional areas of your life and if you keep at it they can eventually merge or overlap or one becomes you know the main thing. So the first question that I had when I was thinking about this is do you even need to have a master's in the field? Um, I feel like I have a lot of friends that are journalists that don't have master's degrees. In fact I have a lot of them. Um, I don't know, like I said, I'm not an expert, but I do know people who are doing it without a master's degree. So I don't know if that's like what you need. Um, my thought is why don't you pick up some freelance writing jobs while you're teaching? Um, I think so often we force ourselves in either or scenarios when it's either and like we can do many things. We don't have to just be this you know so it's like I really enjoy podcasting so do I give up my job at Curlbox to do podcasting full-time you do both you figure out a way to have a life that allows you to do many of the things that you love um you can start your own website and get your weight up with your writing like you can start a blog you can start you know practicing Um, and you said that your life is boring and if the other side of boring is pulling your hair out to pay bills, I would say you need to stick with boring. Um, your life isn't boring because of the work that you do. It's because you haven't, you haven't created a life that you love. Um, there is nothing wrong with comfortable and safe, nothing at all. You need to get a life outside of work and doing things that excite you. So, um, You may need to join a club. You may need to start a writing group or join a writing group. Um, And if you want to have this fun and exciting life that you love writing until the sun comes up, guess what you'll be doing if you're writing with a job writing until the sun comes up. Um, You're going to have to work before and after school, and that's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to put yourself in rooms and situations that maybe aren't the most comfortable. You're going to have to reach out to people and ask for freelance jobs. You're going to have to submit your work and be rejected. That's what you're going to have to do. And guess what you have the luxury of now? The fact that you don't need the work. You're going to do it because you love it. Um, You can take a chance while you are employed. Life doesn't have to be either or. It can be either and.
I hope that answers your question. Alrighty, next career question. I first want to say thank you for having a platform to help women, especially young millennials such as myself, to understand the value of hard work and self-development. You are truly an inspiration as an entrepreneur and a big sister in my head, as weird as that may sound. I hear that all the time. It is not weird at all. Um, Because of your bold, straight, no chaser advice, wisdom, and honesty. Once I discovered your podcast in September, I focused and made it a priority to to transition from an intern at my company for a year to obtaining a full-time position with benefits. Although I went on five plus interviews, nothing took, but with your advice, I got the job that I was really seeking and hoping for in my field after just graduating in May. Congratulations to you. This leads me to why I am writing you today. I have been in my position for less than two months and it's challenging yet so worth it. I enjoy the workload and I don't think at any and I don't think any task is beneath me or unnecessary. On my team of five, there is an intern that has been working with the company for about three months. We attended the same school and graduated from the same undergraduate program. She is currently in grad school, is very sweet, and I'm still getting to know her along with her work ethic. Although I'm on the same team as her, I am not her manager. Her manager, my coworker, comes to me constantly about the intern not being efficient enough or not knowing as much as she should. It makes me uncomfortable because her delivery and tone makes it seem like gossip and complaining as opposed to being concerned about the intern's development and growth. The manager will tell me things the intern should be doing but doesn't communicate information to her, such as a deadline or if she will be out of the office for a business trip, almost seeming like it's a setup. I've asked the manager to talk with her instead of me so that there can be a solution to the issues they're having. She has done so, yet she still chooses to come to me. I really want to focus on my job and the work that I'm being given so that I can prove myself within this new position, but I want to help the intern as well. Another thing to note, the intern and I are the only women of color on our team and our floor. I really want to help, so I have been relaying information to her so that she isn't completely in the dark, but at the same time, it is frustrating because the intern is not always on time, will take days, even weeks off for school and the holidays, even when she is only allocated to work 20 hours a week, and doesn't seem to have the sense of urgency when completing tasks. I want to pull her to the side and have a conversation with her about the importance of her professionalism and stepping it up, but I don't want to seem like I am patronizing her because we are the same age, 24 and I was only recently hired on her team. Would you have any advice on how to have a come to Jesus moment with the intern so that she can get it together? Or should I say anything at all? Thank you for taking the time to read this email. Sending love and light your way. Same, same to you. First, 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 congratulations and kudos to you for stepping up and out in life and handling your ish. Like all the kudos to you. Um, I am very happy to hear this and I am very proud of you. Next, I have been in situations where people will communicate with me to sort of translate to the other person of color on the team because they don't seem to be getting it from them. I think they feel that way, right? My leak, can you talk to so-and-so, you know, I've been in that situation so I can understand how uncomfortable that can be. She's probably looking at you like, she's got it why isn't she getting it um and I think that you know as a woman of color that's one thing but it could be you know the fact that you guys are the same age went to the same school etc etc she figures maybe you can speak a language that maybe she can't right um I've been in that situation with younger people it's like can you talk to her because 
I mean, I'm not, I'm 37, I'm not 24. And it's just a much different climate and environment. And so maybe there's something that you can say, um, so that she doesn't feel threatened or intimidated. You know, I am giving her the room. I mean, because they could just fire her. So the fact that she's coming to you, I think she's probably coming to you in hopes um, that you can maybe help um, your peer uh, since you are doing such a great job. Maybe you can um, talk to her. So I say you talk to her. You tell her what you've done to get where you are and you can find out if she even really cares. It doesn't sound like she cares to me. Um, You need to have that conversation of like, do you want to be here or are you just completing credits? Um, Because if you want to be here, a few things need to happen. You need to get here on time. You need to stop taking unnecessary breaks and you need to get on the ball when it comes to tasks. There's some chatter about your performance and whether you think it matters or not, your reputation follows you. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into meetings and there are new faces from old places that I've worked. The work world is small. Um, And that's just something that everybody needs to know is that you may be at a job that you think doesn't matter or no one will care or I don't even care about this on my resume, but people... They remember two types of people, people who are really amazing and people who absolutely suck. And if you're a person that's in the absolutely suck space, like people, they're going to know that. So I say you have that conversation with her and then you let it go. You aren't her mother or her boss. And if she doesn't make if she doesn't make any changes after that, she's on her own. So that's my thought on that. Good luck and let me know what happens. Um, we have one more career question and then we're going to get into our relationship stuff. Um, so this is our career question. She goes the quick version. I want a new job. I worked for my ideal team while they were down on staffing. And now that period is over. I want to ask my VP if he could move me to the team permanently since my work was great. And the manager has mentioned his need for incremental staffing and said I would be his first choice. So this is the background. I have been in my current role for two and a half years. I work for a Fortune 100 company in marketing. It is my first job out of grad school. And while I'm grateful, whenever somebody says while I'm grateful, I'm like, "Mm, honey, no, you're not. And while I'm grateful, I know that it is time for a change. I have been actively searching for a new role within the company for the past 12 months. I have not had any luck And lack of experience is always the answer I get from hiring managers when I request feedback. The last manager even said there was literally nothing you could have done differently. Your interview was perfect. This brings me to the fact that my current role is not a valued position in the company. The perception is bad. And even within my VP area, we are the less exciting non-revenue producing team. The sister teams under my VP are strategy, innovation, and research. We are the team that doesn't fit. In addition to that, the turnover on my team is very low, even though they are actively searching. The majority of my team has been in the same role for five plus years. The only job they've had within the company, I have to get out ASAP. So about three months ago, I reached out to the team I really wanted to work for, small business strategy. I asked if on-the-job learning was an option, and the manager and my manager agreed that I could dedicate 50% of my time to work with the team. However, 
Right before my start, a position came open. I applied and I did not get it. But the manager asked that I still participate in the rotation as the person he hired had a rather lengthy transition period, three months. As of this past week, I officially transitioned everything over to the guy who was selected for the role. I'm sad and feeling stuck. I felt like that was my for sure way out, but it wasn't the question. I have a good relationship with my VP and I'm thinking that we may need to have a conversation. I have a one-on-one meeting with him on the 20th and my plan is to ask if he, he could possibly move me to the small business strategy team. This would be this would seem far-fetched, but the manager has said numerous times, as soon as he gets incremental staffing, he's coming for me. No one knows when that would happen, even if it will ever happen in the time I need it to happen. I'm operating under the fact that the answer is always no until you ask. So my question is, what would be your approach to the meeting with my VP? It's only 30 minutes, so I know I must be succinct and impactful. What advice do you have for me as I approach my VP with this non-traditional request? I take heed to all of your podcast advice, so I would love to know your thoughts. All right, my friend. Today, 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 you are still an entry-level employee. Two, you have just over two years of work experience at one job in one practice area and a little bit in this new one that they allowed you to do. Um, so if you are, you're asking me what I think about this overall situation, um, and I run into people like this all the time and the way that you feel is not uncommon. A lot of people feel this way. You went to school, um, school promised you a whole bunch of stuff that's usually not true. And now that you've been there for two and a half years, you feel like you need to be catapulted to the next place. And so you have applied everybody says you know nothing you know literally you're doing everything right but the one thing that you are lacking is experience right and two and a half years is not experience and I think sometimes what the it's one thing to be eager and then it's it's literally a very very fine line between being eager and just being annoying right um and so something that I see Um, could be an issue is professional maturity your managers are probably watching you go through the typical new eager ambitious phase that they've seen time and time again new person comes in they are great workers they want to progress in an imaginary timeline that doesn't really exist it's not that you can't do these jobs but there's still something for you to learn where you are um in this time you should be working on character development. Are your morals in check? How are you professionally? Are you the consummate professional? And more than anything, do you know the game? Um, and that's the part that I'm not really getting in this is that there, that in corporate America, um, there is some game that you have to learn. And there are lots and lots of books about sort of the corporate game. When I had my... Um, first corporate internship I read the 48 laws of power because I just felt like this is pre before before the internet even had stuff on it but I just went to the bookstore and I was like I have to figure out how to get in here and play the game Um, and it's not just about you know the time that you put in it's it's not about you asking it is about you know there's there's some other 
there's some unspoken stuff that you don't know about and that's kind of what I'm getting everybody's like you good you good you good but they're not moving you along anywhere because there's something missing um so if someone says that they are coming for you and you keep running around like crazy trying to find out can you really be patient and listen what does that say about you when someone says, I really do like you and I'm going to come for you. And then at every moment that you get, you keep popping up like Jack in a box, like you can't listen, right? Think about that maturity. Sometimes you need time and maturity to be able to lead. How will you handle real challenges on the, the job if you can't deal with this little bit of frustration that you're having? When you get the bigger job and it comes with more responsibility and your room to grow is shorter. So right now you're in a position that is allowing you to learn things, to to try things mistake free. But would you rather have a longer runway to learn more or would you like to be on a helicopter pad where, helicopter pad where you take off? Um, or you're fired, right? So right now, you've got a job that's giving you some runway. They're letting you kind of just stretch your legs and figure out what it is you like and what you may want to do. But if I move you to this new position, you're not going to have that. You need to have every, like, my expectation when I put you over here is that you take off like a helicopter. I don't, you don't get to run down the, down the runway like a plane. So, you need time to develop your skills. Time, time, time. And I really, I'm going to scroll back to the question and just all this stuff about the perception is bad. Like says who? Like you have to not be worried about what other people think or say about where you are. And a, and a team with low turnover is damn good. If nobody, there is a reason why people aren't leaving. It's not because they aren't ambitious or they're not progressive. There is a reason why they're there. And if the team was not needed or didn't fit, they wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. So I need you to think about that. So you were saying that you've got this meeting on the 20th and that's why I wanted to get this up for you. So what should you say at your meeting? Show me that you are really grateful because when you say, well, I'm grateful, uh-uh. I want to know that you are really grateful for this job and this opportunity that they have given you. Start with thank you. I just want to thank you for the opportunity to work 50% on a team where I got to learn X, Y, and Z. I found that while I was doing that work, I get excited about the idea of dot, dot, dot. Grab your job description and go over the things that you have met and then the areas that you feel like you've exceeded, right? People want a raise for doing their job. It does not work like that. If somebody hires you to do something and you do it, you get paid to do that. So you get a raise for exceeding expectations regularly and consistently. What have you done regularly and consistently that exceeded what you got hired to do? You show that people are going to have to move you into another place. Declare your intentions. I want to grow. I am a progressive person and I want to make sure that I'm given tasks that are aligned with my professional growth and development. Propose, propose a schedule when you can get together and check in on how you're doing. If you wouldn't mind, I'd love to get on your calendar on the last Thursday of every month to discuss, to discuss my progress in areas of opportunity. 10 minutes. 
that is how you let people know that you're serious about what you're doing without just being ask, 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 ask. Every time that I come on the last Thursday of every month, I want to be able to show you what I'm doing and to also ask you, are there some new areas of opportunity? And then finally, you need to put your head down and get to work. You need to come in early, real early, every single day. Stop asking to be moved and let them see your work versus your talk. If you don't move after doing this, then look for a position outside of this company because they have proven that you're going to have to have a seat and work for it. So that is what I recommend that you do. You have to show them that you are worthy of this, not because you've just been there for two and a half years, because there are people who have been there longer, not just because you show up every day, but because you take your job, your career, and your life seriously. And if you have to show up an hour early every day for the next year to prove it, that's how serious you are. And that is a lot of times what people are looking to see. It's like, yes, girl, I know. You and everybody else want to be promoted. You and everybody else want to be on a sexy team. You and everybody else want to do things that you think are glamorous. But I need to know that you can humbly do this ish that don't nobody else want to do first. I need to see that. Let me know how the meeting goes. Email me back after your meeting because I'm I want to know how it went. All right, it's time for some relationship stuff. I'm doing good. I'm at twenty I'm at the twenty five minute mark and my throat is doing good. So got my got my water. I'm good. All right, dear my leak. I hope this email finds you well. I am writing because I would like your perspective on my current relationship dilemma. I've been in a healthy and satisfying relationship with my boyfriend officially for three years. We dated for about seven months prior. We initially met in undergrad, but didn't hang out much. From the early stages of the relationship, he has been talking my head off about marrying me, building a family, blah, blah, blah. I brushed it off initially because this wasn't my first time hearing this from a guy. But as time went on, I found us having conversations and fantasies of what our wedding would be like. Let's be clear. I've never thought about my wedding for real until he started planting seeds. I underline that. While most girls had dreams of big dresses and flowers, I was thinking of all the ways I would spend my first million dollars. True story. Don't judge. True story. Judge me. I'm judging you because I don't want to hear about you spending your first million. I want to hear about you earning your first million, but we can talk about that later. I read the, (laughs) I'm sorry. I read the defining decade a year or so ago and loved it. Thank you. I love that book for young people. After reading it, I realized that there are some things I do want in my future that I have to start working on now, such as family, retirement, et cetera. So I did that. Turned my 401k contribution back on, got a trainer, lost 20 pounds and actually started writing my book. Kudos to you, girl. I was doing what I needed to do to get myself in order. The gag is, I love when people say that. I never say that in my real life, but I do like when people say it. The gag is, now I have wedding fever and have become obsessed seeing people getting engaged every other day on Facebook doesn't help. I feel like he's unlocked this girly girl side of me that I didn't even know existed, lol. With that said, I'm 29 and will be 30 this year. I've put it in my mind that if he doesn't propose by February 18th, 2018, I'm putting myself back on the market. Of course, my mom and 20-something friends nodded in approval at my brash declaration. But today, while watching your Snapchat, I thought to myself, am I tripping? 
Am I really about to throw away a good relationship for a personal deadline? Is there something better out there? Where exactly is the line in the sand? How long do I wait? When do you call their bluff? I plan to talk to my therapist who's married about this next Saturday, but I wanted to get the perspective of someone who I respect and she puts appears to be in a healthy relationship and not obsessed with weddings. LOL. Am I tripping or nah? Thank you for taking the time to read this. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. Okay. So I'm super curious about what your therapist had to say, but I'll say this. I really am. So if you can write me back and tell me what your therapist said, I'm just curious. Um, I love to deal with the facts, which my therapist doesn't always love because in life there are some gray areas, right? Some ambiguity. I, I don't know when I got like this, but I am very black and white about my stuff, right? I'm like, it either is or it isn't, you know, and anything that's like, eh, I don't, I don't do well in the gray. I've gotten better at some things in the gray, but I'm going to approach this like the Mylik way. If we went factual, we'd, we'd go with this. He has fantasized much like you about what a wedding would be like with you. Um, Planting seeds would be to propose, which he hasn't. So, you know, if he was planting seeds to marry you, he would have made an actual action, I feel. But I think that sometimes we hear people's words and then we consider those planted seeds versus like occasional raindrops that dry up and do nothing, right? So... I just think that, you know, you both have been fantasizing about what a wedding and what a future would be like. And, you know, sometimes one person, usually us, the girl, the woman takes it, you know, it goes a little bit further with us. But my whole thing is like, please don't talk to me about marrying me until you ready to marry me. I don't know. I'm just like that. You know, I'm like either we're either we either engaged or we're not. And until you propose, I'm not even, I mean, we can talk about it and, and all that good stuff, but I probably would just be like, eh, whatever. Cause people do that kind of stuff. Um, they do. And I, and I just, all right. If you were my friend and you were over my house and we were drinking wine and it's like a Saturday night and we're just talking, I just, I would be like, girl, I never really buy that kind of stuff. I'm just not into the talker. I'm not into the talker about nothing, really. Like, show me. You know, I'm always like, don't talk me to death. Show me. So words, take words for exactly what they are and let let people plant seeds with action. Okay? First. However, if this is important to you, have a conversation with him about it. I know that that seems so strange Instead of setting a deadline with somebody, why don't you talk to them about it, you know? And I remember coming to that conclusion in therapy, too, of like, you know, one thing you could always do is talk to the person. So I would just have a conversation and just say, you know, I'd really like to be married and I'd like to do that by 2018 and be like February 18, 2018. Okay. Um. What are your thoughts on my timeline? What do you think about my timeline, right? What is your timeline if you have one? Look at that conversation. Give everybody a chance. You know, it always baffles me when people have conversations with their girlfriends and their parents, but don't have a conversation with the actual person. So you got to do that. Another thing I want you to do is to keep getting yourself together. That is the best 
thing that you can do is get and keep your shit in order. Um, when you are operating on the highest level, you will attract people vibrating on the same level. So you'll know over time, since you're not tripping 2017 anyway, right? Your deadline's in 2018. You'll know over this time if this is the actual person for you because it sounds to me like you're still growing and changing. Imagine imagine pressing this dude to marry you and in a year or two, you on a whole new level. Imagine that. You know, I think about that when... I sort of had some similar thoughts when I turned 32, 30, not 32, but 30 as well. And I don't know what it is. I think it's just like the 29 to 30 DNA, that little threshold, like that path that we cross of like what we feel like we need and should be doing. And I was in a relationship and I look back on that like, girl, had I married that person, I would not be here with you today. I would be probably bored out of my mind. Okay. So. People are getting engaged and married every day on social media. They are also quietly breaking up, separating, divorcing, and untangling. I had a conversation with someone recently with the most gorgeous online wedding photos. And we had a conversation like um, we had a conversation one night late over drinks. And she told me that she spent six months living apart from her husband. And then they came back around. But you can't see that on social media. So you got to just stop looking at these highlight reels and these engagements and all this other kind of stuff. Cause yes, people are getting married, but they're also getting untangled and divorcing and separating and sleeping in separate rooms and fighting and fussing and cutting up and carrying on all of that too. But you'll never see that. Another thing I wanted to tell you is that there is no one way to be in a relationship. There is no blueprint or hashtag goals or standard to which two people can be coupled. My therapist taught me that and it took me a long time to figure out what would work for me. Um, since you follow me on Snap, and for those of you who follow me on Snapchat, you can probably see that I make my own dinner every night. My own personal dinner. My significant other eats vegetarian and I need my protein. I like my chicken. I like this. I like that. And the time, you know, here it is 7:20 on a Monday night and I'm here um with my water and wine recording my podcast and when I'm done, I'm going to make some dinner, but that person he's not here. So I'm not going to sit around and wait or make something and leave it out on the stove and some people may call that selfish that we make our own meals. We like different food, but we don't force each other into the other person's program. And that's what I mean that everybody has to find what works for them right it's like we have a situation where our work is king and queen in our lives we can end or stop or interrupt things um to do work because we both love our work and I don't care if he takes a work call over dinner or first thing in the morning or whatever because I'm the same way so everybody gets to write their relationship story and everybody gets to decide what works for them and there's no couple that I want to be like there's no relationship that I covet um I am running my own race doing my own thing and you have to do that too it's like it is very enticing to discuss um your relationship with friends and family I get that but 
Um, I don't think that your relationship progress or lack thereof is something for family or friend consumption. Sure, we need a place to blow off steam or discuss. Um, but you have a therapist, which is a great space to get unbiased advice. Most of our friends and family are there to agree with us. And I have my final sentence is true or nah. So good luck with that. Um, and just do you take your time, talk, have a conversation with the person that you're in a relationship with about your timeline and see if he has a timeline and then see how you feel after that. All right. I've got, um, my last question, which is actually I have two more questions, believe it or not. I'm a 30-year-old woman who is married to a 40-year-old man. We've been married for two years. While we were dating, everything was great. He was fun. We always talked about everything, ranging from family to God to politics. I feel the day after we got married, he changed. He never likes to do anything but work and be a part of his organizations. This person who loved to travel and do different things vanished. I feel like our entire marriage, I've been begging for quality time, and he doesn't understand that. He thinks that he gives me everything that I need, but I don't need material things. He's too set on being a provider when we don't need anything. I'm just tired. Tired of begging for his time. It's the one thing that I need that I'm not getting. Oh, yeah. He's an alcoholic. He doesn't think he's an alcoholic, but he drinks so much. Not every day, but maybe twice a week. I laughed at that. I was like, girl, twice a week? I Listen, I'm no um, AA counselor or anything like that, but I think drinks after work two nights a week would not constitute alcoholism I don't think so but that's okay uh he drinks and drinks and then he falls asleep <laughs> if he's going if he's going through something he drinks he's not mean when he drinks or anything like that he just falls asleep I'm ready to have babies and do so many things but I just can't see them with him I feel like he's holding up my life what do I do do I wait to see if anything changes or do I just let go and yes we have talked about this a million times. Things are okay a few times and then I'm back to being miserable. I look forward to hearing for you from you. Um, first things first, I always would recommend that you get some professional counseling. There are so many awesome um, couples, therapists, and relationship therapists that can help you. Um, the Open Path Collective, they do therapy for 30 to $50 a session. So I would encourage you to look into that. My very pedestrian answer is that he changed. He did one thing to get you and then went back to being himself once he had you. I've also starred in that movie. Um, uh, the bottom line is that you are miserable and you have to decide what your cutoff is for being miserable. So this is a place where I would set a date um, on this. It's like I tried being miserable and it just didn't work for me. And so... I just think that you have to just set a date, um, set a date to try to get counseling and then just set your cutoff date on this because I, after all of this, just don't get the feeling that he's going to be the one for you. Um, if you just can't see them with him, you don't, you don't see him as the father of your children. You feel like he's holding up your life. You are miserable. Um, I don't think you need much more like, you know, there's no more uh, deep analyzation that we need to do in this is that it's just not for you. And I think sometimes we get into these situations and we get in relationships and we do something and we've made this huge declaration to, you know, everyone of like, ah, you know, look what we did. And if you're staying for 
if you're staying to save face or you're staying to not be embarrassed, trust me when I tell you that whatever faux embarrassment or whatever it is, is not worth your sanity or your happiness. So you're not feeling it, be out. Um, so I'm going to get into this last question and then I'm going to say toodles. I am, here we go. I am married and we have a two-year-old baby boy. She probably said, hello, Miley. I think I deleted that. I am married and we have a two-year-old baby boy. I am 25 years young and my husband is 30. Everyone, including my husband, is ready for baby number two. I am not and here's why. We live in Atlanta. My immediate family lives in Georgia, but we are also far apart, so we don't have much help and his family lives out of town. I am making great career moves with my company. I have plans to keep moving and getting pregnant will slow me down. Um, My husband's career is taking off and he plans to continue to climb. Um, He's mentioned possibly having to move out of state, but even that disagreement should be worked out before growing our our family because she's a little bit against the moving. Moving up is crucial because we want to be more stable financially and another baby means more money and we already just, and we are already just okay with money now. We already got married and her third reason is we already got married and started a family early. I'm ready to continue traveling the world as a family, of course, enjoy our new home, save money and just take it slow and enjoy what I can of my 20s. Our connection needs some work, communication, time spent, sexual connection, everything. So what's your advice is am I being selfish? Um, Am I obligated to fulfill my wifely duties? I know you have some great insight as you always do. Okay. First off, like, I just want to give you a super duper through the podcast hug and just commend you for just really, I'm just so fascinated by how um, strong and convicted you are about what you want to do with your life and your, essentially your body. Um, I remember having a similar conversation with my mom after I had to make a really difficult life decision as a woman, you know, I was like, am I being selfish? My mom said, Sure you are, and you have every right to be selfish about the things that will ultimately be your responsibility in your life. You know, I'm not saying that when we are a couple, we do split things, but like it's your time off, it's your sort of decision. And my at the end of the day, for me, it's like everybody, including your husband, is, is not you, you know? And it doesn't, I don't get the feeling that you're saying not ever I just get the feeling that you're saying not now and I always love sharing that gift with you guys that my therapist shares with me that's just like the gift of let me think about it and so often you know uh, we put this pressure on ourselves to give someone an answer and if your connection needs work let me tell you was not you know having an additional child doesn't help it and I think anybody who's anybody can tell you that and so I think that you know the next time Bay comes to you with wanting this is like can we spend some time working on our communication our time spent and like just our sexual connection like that to me needs more work before we add another um, lovely human being to this this scenario and so I don't think that you're being, um, I mean, as my mom said, you're being selfish, but 
you have the right to be that like this is your life um i don't think the reasons that you provided of why you aren't interested were legit like you want to travel you want to grow professionally you want to work on your relationship i mean that is amazing so i think that you were just fine um I wish you all the best of luck and I thank you guys so much for riding with me um and thank you for hanging and just waiting because my this flu was kicking my butt but I will be back you can always email me questions at my taught you at gmail.com I am going to get more um guests on I just needed to recover from all that travel and then I got the flu so I'm gonna start reaching out to some of uh the lovely guests that I have in mind and toodles <laughs>